I think the two pieces of advice I would give is one, be patient, and two, be open to the idea of flexibility. I'm this end result of a lot of weird things that kind of like some of them were planned, some of them were unplanned, and I kind of rolled with it, recognizing opportunities, and then you end up becoming a culmination of that and who you are today. And that's what I think is realistic for people to look for. I'm proud to have taken 12 years to do it, um, and it's not over for me. Hello and welcome to the Golden Hour Podcast, produced by the Polar Pro Studio. I'm your host, Dave Mays, and today's guest is photographer and YouTuber Ted Forbes from the Art of Photography YouTube channel. With over 640,000 subscribers and 12 years of experience as a YouTuber, Ted uses his skills in photography to produce a 360 degree look into the world of making images. Tutorials, photography challenges, reviews, and short films are all genres that Ted covers in his channel. I personally have watched the Art of Photography YouTube channel for years, and if you have watched YouTube in the photo video space over the last decade, chances are you have stumbled onto one of Ted's videos before. In our interview, Ted shares how he went from a more traditional job to full-time content creator, and we go into details of how he is able to run such a successful business in this niche. Before we get to the interview with Ted, I'd like to suggest you listen to some of our past shows if you haven't already. Last week, we had Jordan Drake from DP Review, and a few weeks ago, we had Kai W and Sarah Dietschy. And if you scroll through our back catalog, you'll see other amazing guests that we've had on as well. By the way, thank you everyone who listens to this show every single Tuesday. You all mean the world to us and we are grateful for your support. All right, without any further ado, let's listen in on my podcast with Ted. All right, so I'm here with Ted Forbes from The Art of Photography. How you doing, man? I am excellent, Dave. How are you doing? Oh, you know, just hanging in there. Coronavirus, yeah. all that kind of crap. <laughs> <laughs> Social distancing, the, the whole nine yards. <laughs> yeah, so you're. we were just talking before we recorded, you're over there in, uh, in uh, Dallas area and People are sort of serious, but not really. Oh, it drives me crazy, man. I'm telling you, it's like, you know, I was saying we've been really good about, you know, I will go to the grocery store and we have a neighborhood store here so I can be in and out. And, and they're super careful up there. You know, they've got the, the lanes on the, the one-way streets on the aisles, you know, yeah, that yeah. whole thing going. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and everybody's wearing masks up there. So I, I feel like, you know, they've got, but anyway, you, you like drive by the park and there's people out there playing basketball and stuff. And it's like, really? Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's like, I, I just feel like, you know, if, if social distancing is the way to stomp this out, the longer you boneheads are out there doing that stuff, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not a doctor, but you know, I just have a hunch. I know, but that's, that's Americans for you. You can't tell me what to do. <laughs> well, that, you know, and I think sadly that that is part of it is, is that you're not going to, I mean, people, they can only sit inside so long and yeah, it's true. I, you know, we're, this is, this is so photography related. Um, but you know, it's, it's, <laughs> I was talking to my sister about it and she's got two kids i don't have kids but but she does and uh it's just like especially teenagers like they don't really get it and i yeah. feel for them because like i wouldn't have gotten it either but she yeah. said the worst part is like neighborhood parents have just kind of given up and they're like oh the kids are all coming over and she's like my kids aren't <laughs> no but, yeah uh, yeah i can imagine you're right i didn't think about that like if i was a teenager i'd be like I, i'm invincible <laughs> you know oh yeah because i was clearly when i was a, when i was i was i feared nothing and you know the sad thing is it's like 
you remember your senior year of high school, and I feel bad for for kids who are seniors this year. You know, it kind of got denied everything. You know. Yeah, and uh, not to mention college students as well. You know, that in a way, yeah. I think senior year of college is uh, even even bigger deal for some people. So yeah, absolutely, yeah, kind of sucks. I mean, but... we reserve the right to have senioritis and blow classes off, and uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and just get ready for the big parties. <laughs> but seriously, it's like it's tough, you know. Although I'm sure also to the flip side is like, sweet, no school for like six yeah. months. Okay. I'm down with that. I started to say my nephew's been, been totally fine with it. He's, you know, <laughs> you know, but he misses hanging with his friends, but you know, that's another story, but yeah, now it's, it's definitely, I think it's, it's different times right now. And, and, you know, I think in a lot of ways it's like, um, you know, with the, the whole photography community and watching what our colleagues are doing and what we're all doing, even like yeah. being, making this podcast happen. It's like, um, you know, the, there are opportunities for us. It's just very different, and it's hard to kind of accept them as, as at least the temporary reality right now. But uh, yeah. I've had fun with it, you know. It's how have you seen just reception of your your current content over the last two months? Are people are your view counts lower, higher, the same? Lower, lower. They went down a little bit, and I think, um, yeah, believe me, I've put many an hour of analysis into this. But you know, I think <laughs> obviously watch time on YouTube probably did go way up for certain types of channels. So if obviously educational stuff, um, and then maybe more entertainment types of things. And I, I you know, we fall into kind of a weird niche in the middle somewhere. Yeah. And you know, the, the sad part is, is I think this comes down to economy, but you know, if you've been doing a lot of videos about cameras and we all have, cause there's been a lot in the last two years that have come out with mirrorless is that that kind of content, all of a sudden people are probably a little less interested in, in, uh, you know, gear fetishizing right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. They don't want to spend $3,000 when they got to pay rent. Yeah. So. And you don't know when, if you're going to get furloughed in some people's cases. I mean, you know, I, I, in a lot of ways, I'm really fortunate to work for myself, as you know, I mean, it's like, we can't get fired <laughs> theoretically. <Yeah. laughs> um, but at the same time, I mean, it's, it's, so I understand. And I, I think also it's like, you know, when you just look at what my online habits would be or whatever, I think for a lot of people, if you are used to a situation where you're work and now you come home and you're on Zoom and meetings all day, the last thing you probably want to do in the evening is watch some photography channels on YouTube. I don't know. <laughs> um, so that could play into it. I mean, there, there probably be many variables, but, um, you know, at first it was, it, and my numbers didn't like drastically drop, but they did dip a little bit, but it bothered me like, the first week it's like, uh Oh, what's going on? Um, and then, <laughs> yeah. so the way I've countered that is like, okay, well, hold on a second. It's like, we don't know how long we're going to be under lock and key on this. Yeah. And as a result, it's like now may be the time to like experiment with new things and things I wouldn't have done normally. Totally. And like, like we're sitting here doing this right now and I love doing stuff like that. So I've done some of that on my channel where I've done, you know, kind of these zoom call style things with, yeah. you know, people I've always wanted to collaborate with that I know, but I've never had time to do it. Um, because we're running around traveling and stuff like, well, let's just do it at home, you know? And yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they, they may not, you know, they're very different format. Like I, I talked to Chris and Jordan both separately from DP review. And I have another one I'm working on this week with one of the Nikon ambassadors and, you know, they're long form interviews. And I think some people might want to watch them and others don't, but the, the key is, is you can't get concerned about the view counts on them. You know, yeah. we're just trying something new. Let's just have fun with it. And that's the best we could do right now. You know, I totally. guess we have the choice to get upset and freak out or, <laughs> or we could try something different. So that's, that's the idea. Yeah. I mean, doing a, a podcast where, you know, I interview creators, uh, I've been stockpiling these last couple of weeks. <laughs> 
I don't think I've had this many interviews in a long time, and it's because everybody's home, and you know yeah. we're desperate. I'm loving it. I've actually enjoyed. It. I've been doing about one or two interviews a week, um, and uh, at least, and it's just great to meet new people. And um, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's it's a way to virtually, you know, have some human interaction. So <laughs> yeah, and it, well, it for me, it's inspiring. Like we've never met, yeah. so we're gonna have this conversation. Talk to you. We might have some ideas somewhere, and and you never know. You never yeah. know where that's gonna go. I, it's it's hard. I, you know, the other thing that I did on my channel was was I decided to bring back this thing I used to do called photo assignments. And the whole idea, and it, you know, it's not particularly original or anything. And I think every channel is kind of doing some form of this right now. Uh, but, you know, giving people some, at least a direction of things they can photograph at home. Yeah. Uh, you know, using natural light or whatever. And I didn't really think of it like this when I went in, it was just like, okay, well, so I started doing them myself, which I haven't done in the past. Mm. And then I ran into some weird issues and I thought this is interesting because I could share like where I'm failing at this with other people. And like, maybe that's useful for everybody. So it's actually been a lot of fun to do those. And I've actually changed the way I've approached shooting a few things. I don't know. It's just little things like that. Yeah. Photo assignment return, uh, available light photo assignment. Number one, part one, I'm looking at your channel here. Did I just fail my own photo assignment? Yeah. It's been one photo assignment that's <laughs> been effective well, well no, you know, that's yeah. that's another thing it's like you know if i used to do them kind of as challenges so every two weeks it was something new and it's there's something to be said for like okay let's stick with one thing and let's really do a deep dive for a month or two months on this and yeah. see what happens so you make a lot yeah. of videos how what's your uh schedule do you do two a week three a week what it's all over the place right now, man. It's I haven't done any in over a week, um, <laughs> but but yeah, normally it's two or three a week, and uh, yeah, yeah. My main thing is I want. It's funny you ask that because that's why I didn't do one anything this last week. Is that uh, I've actually been trying to get a little bit more organized. Um, I don't know how your content creation kind of goes <laughs> in the video realm, but so maybe you can give me pointers on this. But uh, for me. Um, the whole idea of, okay, well, I'm going to, let's say, you know, you have three cameras that you're reviewing or whatever. So why don't I do all my B roll in one day and then I can do all <laughs> this and what, and I, I just, yeah. it's hard for me to work that, uh, uh, what's the right word on that? Uh, organized, if I like of the better word, but or yeah, I had a schedule kind of like, this is for this one video that I'm going to put out in three weeks. That kind of right. thing. Yeah. It's just I don't easier do that. For me to I'm too linear. Fly by the seat of my pants. Yeah. Do you, my, how do you, my, my little my man brain i'm gonna blame it on that i'm too linear i it's always just <laughs> one at a time i don't go ahead of schedule um i heard we interviewed i justine's uh editor tyler and he said that they'll shoot uh for one week they'll do three or four days in one week and they'll shoot right. the whole month's content in four days and then the rest of the month they just edit and i kind of like that because it's like cool i could I just love it focus for three or four days on the shooting and then spend the whole month just on my computer editing. Um, yeah. but I just, I basically am like one at a time here. Okay. I got to post this up by Friday. It's Monday. I'm going to shoot a little bit today. I'll shoot a little bit tomorrow. I'll edit the next day. And then there you go. You know, I like what Gerald, I asked Gerald undone when we had him on the show, what's your schedule? He says about one and a half a week. <laughs> I like that <laughs> one and a half because it's like, he's like, I feel like one a week, I'm a little bit too lazy, but two a week isn't doable, so I say one and a half. That way right. I do maybe two next week and then one that week, and I'm shooting for the next week. So 
I like that. One and a half a week is. Yeah, uh, you've got something started at least. Um, <laughs> now, and, and well, and, and uh, this is nothing against I, Justine. I, she's one of the hardest working people that I have ever met, and she's very driven, and she deserves all of the success she gets. Uh, I have trouble working. Uh, with like cause she's you were talking about Tyler her editor I you're like me it's like here's yeah. here's the staff right but there's nobody here, you know? <laughs> yeah yeah it's you're just me it. and and it's a horribly um, unsustainable way to work obviously but at the same time and I think this is the classic thing that we all get into trouble with is that you know I feel like not that I have the supreme artistic vision with my YouTube channel but at least I you know the way it comes out is the way I want it to and it's just like mm-hmm. I guess if we were just hire somebody and do it, uh, you'd get used to it. But it, it's such a change for me yeah. to, to approach it that way. I've just never considered it. So I, I was the other way around. I started my channel with Connor McCaskill, who was my shooter and editor. And uh, okay. so I started Kinotika before it was anything with him. Uh, he was helping me for free for a couple months and then uh, basically on a part-time basis and then eventually full-time. And then due to financial reasons, we had to cut them and uh now i'm doing everything myself so it was the other way around where i had to learn how to do everything it's kind of like kai who had lock uh during digirev and then had to transition and doing it all himself um i think shooting and jordan talked about this on his interview having a shooter and a host is great because you can be out in public and it doesn't look as weird because there's a (laughs) there's somebody standing there with a camera and then somebody talking and if somebody sees that like oh they're shooting something you know it's tv or whatever but talking into a camera is weird Talking into a camera by yourself on a selfie stick, yeah, it's a little weird as a full grown adult. Even more, if you're doing a review, you've got a camera you're holding, (laughs) talking, and I mean, it's totally, yeah. And I, I don't know if you ever get over that. I mean, I've gotten more comfortable with it, but again, if I haven't done it in two months, like when we get out of uh, of a lockdown and uh, next camera review I do, where I go out about, it's you know, am I going to be able to like? Yeah, because you just get kind of self conscious about it. It's like, all right, I do not want to look like an idiot. (laughs) But it's it's inevitable at some point. I I think uh, the like the Casey Neistat format where he was doing one a day. um, Maybe he just got in such a rhythm, uh, and he also just had the confidence to do it that he was able to pull it off. But yeah, uh, in the photo tech space, it is uh, you know it's different. You're you're having to lug around all this gear and. It's hard to nail all the facts too when you're out and sh- shooting. You know, do you use a teleprompter when you film your videos? Uh, I've thought about it, but no, I don't. I, yeah. I, you know, I've I've come a long way on doing that because it used to be when I started out. It's you know, I mean, I obviously don't have trouble talking um, ad nauseum, <laughs> driving everybody nuts. But uh, I used to do. You're gonna die when you hear this. When I did the early videos, they were all one take, and and oh, I would wow. do art history stuff. Yeah, and it was it was. Uh, and if I messed up, I'd have to do the whole thing again because I just never got in this practice. And also, it's like the way I filmed back then, the way we all filmed back then was different. You know, you didn't have wide-angle lenses that looked good, and it was it was incorrect to sit close with a wide-angle lens, so you just didn't <laughs> do it. So the camera was halfway across the room half the time. You had mic'd up and uh-huh. lighting a certain way. And, yeah, it was just very different the way everything filmed, and it was, it was a tedious process back then. You're, um, you're talking about nine years ago, ten years ago, right? <laughs> 12 years ago. I started in 2008, so, yeah, oh it was a while back. Back. And yeah, I mean, my first, the first 10 videos or so that I did, I used a Canon camcorder that still used the tape. Uh-huh. Uh, what was it? The, the eight, Super 8 or whatever it was called. The I can't remember now. Um, 
it was the digital eight millimeter thing. Uh, yeah. And so you had to have to digitize all of your footage in real time over to the computer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then you'd have to detail a cine to get it like progressive and out of the deinterlace thing. Anyway, so it was a huge pain and it's changed over the years. And, and now what I do, um, the dumbest thing I can do, and I say that because I still try it, because now and then you just think, you know what, let's just sit down and do the video today. You're excited, right? Yeah. And so I'm just going to sit down and nail this out. If I go in with no outline, before I know it, I mean, the way my brain works is I just get off track. And, yeah. and the video ends in like different state than where it started. <laughs> so I, yeah. I, I outline now, and I will write certain things out if there's a point I need to make. And then I go through the outline, and then, then I'll do it in takes and clip it up. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's the best way to do it now. But I mean, it takes That's, it takes time to do that outline, but it it really helps in the end. Yeah, I um, I'm the exact same. I do bullet points, uh, um, yeah. but I've recently switched to using a prompter for um, some of the technical stuff because yeah. it's just hard to remember. This has a 24.2 <laughs> megapixel sensor, CMOS version two with uh, this and that. Mm-hmm. You know, all the numbers and letters. Um, for some reason, I can retain a lot of that information, and it's, I don't know, a skill or a gift for some reason that when it comes to camera stuff, I do retain that information, but I can't remember what I, you know, what I said to my <laughs> wife two hours ago. Um, <laughs> right. But <laughs> Well, what's funny is I can usually remember it uh, when I'm talking to people, but when for some reason when the camera's on, I, it, you know, I, I, I don't save uh, outtakes anymore, but uh, <laughs> it's like, why am I digitally hoarding this? But uh, yeah. yeah, there's some moments where, yeah, you get tongue-tied and the whole thing. Because, yeah, there's a lot of, yeah, especially with technical stuff, phones get very technical uh, when you're trying to remember what version of Snapdragon it's on and, you know, and it's not 865 or what, you know, it's something that'll catch you. And yeah. Yeah. Now a teleprompter smart. I know that, uh, I've talked to Jared Pollan about it. I know he uses a teleprompter for a lot of things. You know, a lot of people are doing it and it's, I, you know, I, I have one that I used to, this is another problem with like our industry. It's like I had, uh, around the time I left my full-time job working at this museum, I was doing media production there to do this full-time. Uh, I had actually built a teleprompter at one point because all you need is is the glass that, that re- will reflect, right? And yeah. You, special kind of glass you can get at Home Depot or whatever. So I made it out of a cardboard box. I was very proud of this thing. And then back then you had these iPad apps. Yeah. Eventually I broke down and I bought uh, uh, ICANN. You know, they make all kinds of weird accessories and gimbals and stuff and uh, and lighting. Anyway, so I had this ICANN. T- I still have it in there. And this thing is janky. I've broken the glass twice. It's a horrible <laughs> mess when you do it. Yeah. Uh, in New York City in a hotel room one night, I broke the glass the morning before she, or the night before she, anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I pulled this thing out recently because I thought I should, I should I, you know, let's, let's use this. Let's try it, right? So all of a sudden, first of all, the stand, the iPads are bigger than they used to be, so it won't fit on there. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, well, let's just tape it down for now. So I tape it down, then I get the thing set up, and then I get the teleprompter. Well, the software is no longer made that you need. Yeah. It's, it's just like I mean, the remote doesn't work. I mean, it's just like that's the problem with accessories for stuff. Yeah. They will bite you eventually. So it's like it's true. I, I would have been so much smarter to buy a real teleprompter back when I bought this because it wasn't cheap. <laughs> Although you know? uh, I will say a couple of my friends, I think Gerald uses it. My friend uh, Lee Zavitz uses it. The Parrot uh, Prompter V2 or something. Uh, it's just for your phone. It's just an iPhone one. Yeah. It just mounts on the front of your lens. It has a thread that goes on the front of your lens. It's a tiny little portable prompter, and uh, the apps 
seem to be updated and working. All fine. right, I need to check it out. It's it's because uh, you sit you sit oh. this cl- you know you sit very close to your camera nowadays because you're shooting usually on a wideish lens. Right. So you can just reach up and uh, adjust it on your phone and control it with a little remote. All right, see, I'm going to look into this because that was the other problem with the iPad version is that it's just so big yeah. that the camera's like way back behind the glass. Yeah. And yeah, then you're into a longer lens. Oh, and that's the other thing. This thing is so massive, I can't see the monitor anymore. So I'm getting the Atomos <laughs> out. You know, yeah, it's just, yeah. I'm just using the massive rig. Just using the normal flip screen on the camera and then just built into the lens. You don't have any mounts or any weird rails you have to put on there. And then you can Things even... Things become dated, yeah. You can even put it on a Gorillapod and go vlog with it. You know, honestly, <laughs> with, a <teleprompter. laughs> with a teleprompter on it, I script my vlogs. But uh, all right, I, I'm going to check it out. That's actually good advice. I, I like the I like the workflow of it because I'll take my laptop with no charger, nothing, just my AirPods and my laptop, and go to the lake and just sit and write and uh, go yeah. to Starbucks or whatever when 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 those places are open again. Um, right, I know, I miss it. Anyways, yeah. but yeah, like on the high end of things, yeah, um, I think um, Linus Tech Tips has like five or six writers full time. They do, yeah. and uh, you know he's just reading a prompter, so. Amazing. Well, yeah, and it's as much content as they put out. Yeah, they're doing to. one I mean, a day. I don't day. know how Linus could do it. Yeah, that's, but there, that's but there is there is a purity to uh, to the bullet points and just speaking off the top of your head too. And I think that's what people connect to with your channel too. So there's a little bit of the back and forth, you know. So yeah, and that that actually, I mean, and you have to be conscious of that, as you know. It's like I, you know, Linus is obviously extraordinarily talented and he's got the type of personality where he can and, and you can tell when he's doing it when it's a really in-depth technical topic and he's really good at making it not sound like he's reading that's really a harder thing for me to do which is why i kind of avoid it but at the same time it's like well you'll never get good at it if you're not trying but um <laughs> but yeah, yeah so i try to reach that balance in between the two i mean you know and, and sometimes i've done because i i, I I don't know if he still does it, but I saw Kai do this early on where he'll just, he, he did a video years ago on how he does videos. Right. And he does voiceover stuff. And that yeah. was kind of part of that formula, especially with, with, uh, with, with digital rev. Um, and so I was trying to do that. And like the contrast of the, my personality when I'm on camera versus all of a sudden here's a voiceover and I would read too fast. I mean, it's just really weird. Yeah. So it it is is, weird. It's like, those it's are things skill. to be, yeah. And they're, they're really important to be conscious of those because like ultimately your audience does perceive those things, you know. So let's um, go. Let's go way back twelve years ago. What? What? Right. At all, what happened? Like you, you're a photographer. <laughs> what happened? I mean, like, why did you decide to start putting stuff on the internet? It was. It wasn't cool or trendy or like it wasn't even a career path no. for anybody. Nope. You weren't. There's no way you thought I'm gonna do this for my job in twelve no, years. No, I didn't. Uh, in fact, well, I'll tell you the story. So I. Oh, in a long roundabout way, uh, I I was doing website design at one point. I actually have a music degree from school. Um, you know, it's like the whole tech boom thing of the late 90s. And one of the things that I just loved was all the stuff that was new that we could learn out of it. And, and it's pretty low tech by today's standards. We didn't even have phones at that point still. But it was like, you know, learning how to write code or learning how to do this or whatever. I had always been a photographer. Um, it was something I had a camera when I was probably in the sixth grade, I think for my birthday, it was a little Kodak 110 with the cartridge film that went in there. And I, you know, I was shot, uh, as a hobby. I was really serious about music for a long time, but it was always on the back burner. And, and, 
you know, when video started to present itself, I always wanted to do video, but it used to be very expensive to, to get into that stuff. Um, you know, a camera alone would be, you know, $25,000. There was no way to edit on anything until I guess final cut. It was probably iMovie. I think was the first really accessible one. Um, yeah. on the iMac. And, uh, you know, so anyway, long story short, um, around 2007 ish, it was, was 2007. I got a job working at the Dallas museum of art, uh, doing, it was a generic position. You know, they, it was one of those things where they're like, okay, we need to start doing media and that could be podcasting. It could be video. It could be X, Y, and Z. Uh, let's hire one person to do all of this. And that's what they, that was their guy on that. Uh, and I did that for seven years and I loved it. But the, my show started early on because, um, that was around the time that you could get the little toilet paper roll looking camcorders at a reasonable price. Yeah. And you know, around a thousand ish for something that was decent. And so, uh, one day my boss came in and said, well, you know, I know you're really into photography. Can you do video? Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> this was my answer. I had no yeah. idea what I was doing. And so I thought, well, okay, as we get into this, I need a project that I can go home and do and make all my mistakes on. And that way, when I come to work, I at least have a clue. And I was really into it. And I really wanted to do video at that point. And I thought, well, what should I do? Podcasting, the first wave was taking off. And video podcasts used to be a legitimate thing. A lot of people were doing that. Yeah. Um, Alex Lindsay and the original Mac break. There was yeah. a lot of it. Nobody was doing photography at that point uh, on iTunes anyway. Uh-huh. Uh, so I thought, I'm going to do a video podcast is what I'll do. And I'll do, I, I wanted to go through all the steps of production. So I would, I would film the episode. I would be in it. I would script it. Um, and the early ones are really bad and rough. But uh, and I would post these once a week. So I would, you know, get into the XML feed, and how to distribute that, how to get it into iTunes, the whole thing. And my whole plan was I would make maybe ten episodes and I would stop. And eight hundred videos later, <laughs> twelve years later, I'm still here. But yeah, it was weird because I put it up and I did it for a while. And I remember I the museum was sending me on this business trip to this conference in London and it was a big deal. And I didn't really, you know, when you start out, you don't know how to read analytics and stuff, but you check them because it's cool to know that people are watching your stuff. Right. Yeah. So I noticed I got all these hits, you know, English speaking countries, obviously, but the UK had a lot and that seemed really exotic to me because it's a long way away. So I decided to like announce that I was doing a meetup and see what happens. And uh, I remember very specifically doing that. I'm coming around the corner because we were going to meet up at Tate Modern in the front there on South Bank. And uh, I thought, uh, what if nobody shows? You know? <laughs> so I'm all nervous. And there were like 10 people who showed well, up. I couldn't believe cool. it. And it was a horrible time. I, it was 10 a.m. on a Friday. Like people are supposed to be at work. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like why didn't I do it on a Saturday? I don't know. But, um, but I, did. <laughs> yeah. I was nervous. Yeah, I was terrified. And so what's funny is I still keep up with a couple of those people today. And that was that so was in cool. 2010. Yeah. So it was what, 2009, I think. Um, yeah, it was it was really a special thing. And, and it kind of snowballed from there. And, you know, Dave, I miss a lot of that stuff because, like, when you have a really tiny audience, it's, it's not, you know, I think YouTubers, especially today, anybody who's anywhere near related to influencer, you know, there's there's a skepticism about that. And, and yeah. it's – I never got into it to do that. It's like I always liked people. I liked having conversations with people. And it, it was a one-way conversation, but I could, like – you know, provide some thoughts on photography or a technique or whatever it was, and people would respond to that. You'd get an email from somebody, hey, you know, have you ever thought about this? Have you ever had this kind of camera? You know, whatever. And it was a really intimate thing in those days, and, and I really loved it. And then I, I ended up putting stuff on YouTube because YouTube was starting to grow a little bit. Yeah. But you might remember, too, in the early days of YouTube, it was mainly, you know, really poor quality 
copyright violated content from movies <laughs> and television shows. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I didn't really try to... You know, it's funny, talking to Gordon Lang, he saw the potential in YouTube really early. I didn't. Mm. Um, and he, you know, I think Jared did too, and probably Tony and Chelsea for that matter. So they were all into it. But, you know, I... Um, well, you were into I, it I, then too, though. I mean, your videos it, date back nine years ago. So. Yeah, I mean, they go back to... Yeah, they don't go back to full 12. But yeah, it took me a couple of years to, to really get serious about it. And then I, it was funny. I remember one day I was working with an ad agency when I was starting to do uh, some early placements with Squarespace and some of those people. And uh, they were, you know, when you have an ad agency, you have to sit down and talk numbers. And that's a hard conversation to have sometimes. I remember back then the, the podcast numbers looked really good, but my YouTube numbers did not. And I remember somebody on the call, I don't remember who it was, but one of them made a comment. They said, isn't it funny that, that people do really well on one platform and not the other? I thought, damn it, I'm insulted. I will do well on YouTube, you know? And so I really got serious about it at that point. Uh, and, and eventually just ended up <laughs> that's moving funny. everything over You there. needed but, a yeah. little kick in the butt to... <laughs> it did. To do I need that. somebody to dare me, uh, double dog dare me. But doing YouTube all these years, it's like you know, there's there's some wonderful things about it, and some you know, you, the platform itself will drive you crazy sometimes when they change rules or you know, uh, yeah, algorithm changes, which we all deal with all the time. And and of course now it's also I would argue more way more competitive too. I mean, yeah. you've got it was funny because for a long time I I just you know when you're when you're making stuff you when you're really busy and you're really cranking videos out, you don't have time to actually enjoy YouTube or, and the last thing you want to do, I don't want to offend any of my colleagues, but you know, we all know you, the last thing you want to do is watch another photography channel. <laughs> so for a long time, I just didn't keep up. And then like, I remember one day I was searching for something on a camera that was about to be released and there were rumors circulating. And it was like, all these channels are popping. I'm like, who are these people? <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's really like well it's shot too. It's like yeah, they, they're, they're have, better than me. What's going on? Yeah, they have know? like a really nice set, and they're you know the lighting looks great, but they only got like two thousand subs. You know, I know, and 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 actually, it's like the production value is very interesting too, because that's something that can or it should, I think at least it does for me anyway. It kind of drives you and encourages you to to up your game all the time. Yeah, um, I think we have. It's so I think McKinnon. Oh, I think McKinnon is to thank for a lot of the new. Um, people that, oh. that are high quality just Jeez, coming out, yeah. of, out of the woodworks. Uh, you know, Peter was one. I, I would argue that Casey was, even though totally. it wasn't really a photography channel, but, uh, no, but he inspired me to start, uh, three years he, ago. So he did, he was inspiring and he also redefined what content could be, um, which I think was, was massive. Um, I think that Casey ended up at least, and I'm only going to speak personally on this for me, it had a negative effect because I was trying to vlog at one point. And I still would love to, you know, I mean, I love that whole ideal of it. It's not as popular as it was. He got out at a good time. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like, it's so easy to want to like, this is what I want to do. And it's just one person doing it. You know, it's like, okay. Well, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Pete, Pete was great. Um, it, it, I think even there's, there's there, like, I think Gerald has an awesome set and I think his yeah. production is really good and inspired me to kind of like drive harder and, and, uh, yeah. And that, that that's fun. And then what's also kind of cool is like when you finally do meet some of these people and they're really nice and, you yeah. know, it's cool. So rising tide lifts all ships, and absolutely, there's really no. I don't think um, there's really any competition because there's still plenty of plenty of uh, things to talk about. Everybody's got their own perspective, and that's what's what, what's sure. so amazing about it. And um, there's nobody well, like and, you. 
To, well, for better or worse. Well, I, but I think you're right. And I think that was something that I struggled with a couple of years ago in all seriousness when, when it's like all of a sudden Casey Neistat was, and not only was he entertaining and fun to watch, but he was extremely successful. Mm-hmm. And so, and I just, this is the way I was looking at it, which was wrong at the time as you start to internalize that and you're like, okay, um, all right, so he's doing something right. So this is what I want to do. And, and then you start to copy that and then what you don't realize is that you're never you know you're just going to be second rate whatever that is that you're trying to copy whether it's Casey or somebody else and and it's a long road and I, I think you know I'm not trying to like crap on myself necessarily but I think in my case it's been a really long road and I don't feel like I've arrived yet but you know what at the same time though I've had a lot of fun doing the whole thing heck yeah so and it's hard because like and I've seen um, a few people come and go even and I think that's really hard with YouTubers is that yeah. you know especially when you you are really getting popular and, and by really getting popular, I'm talking about a couple of million views a month and you, you know, you're really pushing it. Um, a lot of those people burnout does become a big thing. Maintaining that audience becomes a pressure. Yeah. Uh, the algorithm is not built that way and, and then things change on you. So I'd rather have the long, slow path and have fun with it. And yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Know? And that's, that's what uh, Caleb Pike in our interview said. He said he, he views his YouTube channel like uh, owning a stock in the stock stock market. And yeah, uh, it's a good way of looking at it's, it. It's, it's easy to get wrapped up in the current algorithm and this and that. But like, if you zoom out and look at what you've done over the last uh, 10 years on YouTube and on the internet, yeah. it really has been this, this very gradual, but I don't know if you've had big peaks and valleys, but you do have this, this growth. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've, you're about to hit, um, you know, mm-hmm. your next your next milestone is seven hundred thousand subscribers. That's insane. That's a ton <laughs> of people. I mean, it is, <laughs> but I mean, it's cumulative. So it's like you know, it's it. I'm very careful because like I, I'm just afraid that that I what I don't want to do is start getting caught up in a number and having it go to my head. Is uh, I'm gonna be honest. I have seen people do that, and it's they're not pleasant to hang out with when after that happens. And you know, it, yeah, I don't know. So I just don't want to look at that way. And and you know, I am being realistic. That is cumulative, and a lot of those people. I don't get seven hundred thousand views a video. I wish it did. It's not how YouTube <laughs> works. And in fact, the whole platform has moved away. I yeah. don't. I mean, well, PewDie- subscription doesn't matter. Yeah, but on know. the high end, PewDiePie has a hundred million subscribers, and he gets three million <laughs> views of video. So the the numbers exactly. on that don't add up either. So exactly. And and so it, it just is what it is. And and you know, having fun doing it. You know, Caleb is an interesting. Um, example of that too i i mean there's so much that i've learned from caleb over the years and and you know he what a great guy too he is a great guy and he in but just the videos that he makes um they're gonna be more i mean he's he's chilled dude you know (laughs) yeah he he doesn't talk as fast as i do he explains (laughs) things so well i mean i've gotten so much especially from color grading and i'm like well i'm going to caleb for this he's my go-to for that and i finally met him last year uh there was a panasonic event that we were all doing and i didn't know he was going to be there or anything and it was funny i was in the lobby of this hotel and usually you come in early for these things was that the the s1h event yeah it was the s1h i was there i didn't see i didn't see you uh, I wasn't there long. Um, we, we must have been on a different track because there was like an A and a B track for the S1H. There was. There yeah, was. Yeah. We were, we were, yeah, because I don't remember you there either. Um, but I saw Caleb in the lobby and we stared <laughs> at each other and I'm like, wait a minute. And it kind of caught me off guard. You know, when you when you, when you meet a celebrity and you're like, what is that? It takes you a second. I've watched your content for, you know, probably at least six, seven years now. And especially when you were really on the GH5 Panasonic um kind of track i was watching yeah. a lot of that back when the gh5 was new and 
I loved all your GH5 uh, Panasonic content. Well, thank you. I think that's it's, it's. I still use that camera. It's actually on the shelf in the next room, but I, I still use it all the time. I, that, talk about staying power. It's like you know, look at all the know, cameras right? that have come and gone, man. The GH5 is still. Boss, it really man. is. Yeah. But you're, at a certain point, uh, you were you were doing like you said a lot of the videos. Um, the earlier videos were just you know pretty straightforward videos. When did you start to? I mean, it's been a, a process. It's been over twelve oh, years yeah. now. When yeah. did you start experimenting and trying different things and finding the format and the flow that you've got now? Um, with, well, with what, there were with your work? there were a couple things that went into that. I mean, I, I had. You know, it's interesting. It's it's like when I started it, um, I just set out to, and I really thought there was a hole back then. And this was early on. This was before YouTube was what it is today. Um, you know, in two thousand seven, iTunes was there, and there were a couple other people that were doing you know photography podcasts, and I just didn't think they were. I thought they could be so much better. You know, and so I thought, well, what I want to do is I want to make the the kind of stuff that I would watch. And so it was that simple. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, and I miss that because like today when you get into watch time and trying to hold people's interest, I mean, those things are more important. It's just a different challenge now. Um, and it's, it's good for me because like, you know, I can sit there and talk about something for 20 minutes and very few people want to actually endure that. Uh, but I used to do a lot of art history stuff. I used to do a lot of dark room, a lot of film and, yeah. you know, I, I do get, uh, slammed on that a lot in comments today because people want to see me go back to that or they discover me through older stuff like yesterday. And then they look at the newer stuff and, and I've, Got a little more diversity to it. But I mean, I think one thing that for me, like in the beginning or not in the beginning, but when I started realizing this is something that I'm now doing and I want to keep doing it and it's I'm serious about it as a show is that I never wanted to. And this isn't a very smart move and I don't recommend it to anybody, but I, I, I never wanted to shut out anything. It's like I love everything photography and I would argue even argue cinematography video related. And so there's yeah. no topic that would be off limits for me. And I say that's stupid because I think some people want to niche down and they only want to see camera reviews or they only want to see this or they only, you know, and, and that's just not uh, what I'm excited about. I like doing all kinds of different things. And so I think it was around the time I used to kind of really avoid doing any kind of camera reviews or anything. And I remember somebody that I really respected that said, you know, you might think about doing camera reviews from time to time I'm just saying and I'm like well why would I do that and they were like well because that's what people want to watch and that's what you know and they explained that okay so you know maybe you're not passionate about that but like people are going to discover you through different paths and so that's kind of why I've always Uh, maintained that openness Um, I remember um, yeah this guy Ilias once told me he says you know I like your channel because it's a real 360 degree view of photography and I thought well that's you know that's a great way of putting it yeah Yeah. that's so yeah um, I mean you mentioned um, even cinematography I've been I was just scrolling around on your channel and you do have a a great thumbnail with the Star Wars opening shot the establishing shot why it's important Um, you know and then right next to that is a Lightroom tutorial and then after that is a camera review and (laughs) Like kind you of said, all over the place. but the but that's special, and I think it's important. And um, Sarah Dietschy talks about all the time, you know, one for her, one for them, kind of a eh, mentality. And it's like, if if I to stay kind of sane and avoid burnout, it's important to to do something for you that's creatively fulfilling for you. And it, you even have if it, to if it gets no views at all, you want to be proud of it, you know, 
as a creator and as an artist before you even hit no, upload. No right? question. No question. And I, I think to, to actually, you know, prove your point on that, it's like, or actually emphasize your point on that, you know, there was a point for me. So a couple of years ago, I did this thing called the artist series, right? And the artist series, I was working with Ovation TV at that time. And, and they encouraged me to do a crowdfunding project. And they're like, you know, if you could do anything, what would it be? And I thought, well, I always wanted to do interviews with living photographers. Again, the kind of stuff I would want to watch. And so I ended up doing a crowdfunded project. Project. I raised enough money. It was only supposed to be one video, but I got, this is another flaw of mine. I got so excited, I did nine and actually spent a bunch of money on it. But it was still fun. It, it, I saw like, okay, here's a crowdfunded thing that has just created an opportunity for me. So I want to like just go all out, right? And, and it was a lot of fun. And I interviewed uh, my heroes, the people I look up to. Um, wow. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, Laura Wilson was the first. Laura is not widely known outside of of, of Dallas. Uh, she would be most famous. Her sons are Owen and Luke Wilson, the famous actors. Uh, okay. She was Richard Avedon's assistant on In the American West. She's an incredible photographer. Uh, she she was she's wonderful. I interviewed Keith Carter, who's one of my longtime favorites. We're still friends now. I talk to him every now and then. Uh, Alexei Tedorenko, amazing Russian photographer. We're still friends. And anyway, so I, I and then I went to Mexico and I did three artists there. And and I came back and I wanted to like put these together as this package. And so I was going to release these once a week, which I did. And what happened is they just tanked. And like creators would will all understand this and and if you don't and you're not a creator it's basically like you know you put out a video and it nobody's interested it's not getting any traction at all and it was weird because like the comments couldn't have been more glowing and so that was really nice but i got so depressed about that dave it was this summer and i'd been working on this for so long and yeah. i literally by the last one i was seriously considering just quitting this whole thing i was so bummed cuz it for me it wasn't my ego, but it was the fact that I talked all these artists into doing those. And none of them, not one person said this to me, but in my mind, I felt like I'd let them down. And it like, I, and, and, and here's another crazy little inside baseball with creators. Then because all the, the tutorials and the gurus will say, oh, you got the wrong thumbnail. If you only had the right thumbnail, you'd increase your, you know what I mean? So you <laughs> yeah, start like thinking true. way too hard about that wrong title. And, you know, I should have clickbaited them, whatever. And so, uh, you know, I got really depressed about that. And, you know, I had some friends I talked to. And, and what was weird is, like, later they ended up getting more views. They were just – they weren't that burner right out of the gate. They were just going to be a buildup later. And and I'm really bad at not looking at things the right way all the time. You you look at it the – my first hour, it's tanking. You know? <laughs> like you're freaking out over one hour, right? Um, and so anyway, so I got over it and and – the other thing is it was expensive to do. I mean, there's a lot that went into that. Um, and so anyway, so, but then I was talking to somebody later about it who uh, had done a side project. Uh, it wasn't like my artist series, but it was something that they were passionate about. And they were like, well, we have stopped doing that on my channel. And I said, you know, that's too bad because I liked your video that you did on there. And we're too worried about the freaking view count. And it's like, we got to get that out of our heads. I wish it weren't on the front of every video because it's so prominent and it's something that's shared. Everybody can see whether your video did well or not. Yeah. And I think that worst case scenario, I can't imagine starting out if that's even in your head at all. Because it takes a long time, as you know, to get some traction. It takes a couple of years before you start seeing any numbers. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's it's. Uh, but yeah, like to Sarah's notion of one for you, one for them. You've got to do stuff that's important to you. And and even if you're not a creator, if you're just into shooting photos or making videos, same mindset. You got to do one for you now and then. 
you yeah. know, because like if you don't, that's how you keep your sanity. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't trade doing those artist series videos for anything, and I, and I'm really I feel stupid that I got so depressed to the point where I even wanted to quit. Uh, it, you know, even sharing that's kind of a weird thing to do, but but because I'm not looking for sympathy on it at all. I'm just trying to share the experience of of uh, yeah. of that frustration, and I really want to do them again. And I I feel really bad about this actually. Uh, I, I have two filmed that I filmed over a year ago, and I got busy with other stuff. Camera season starts up. You've got to keep up with those videos. And, yeah. and so I've got two in the can and I need to get some more filmed. But nice. Anyway, yeah, we'll get there. I well, just feel bad because those artists are like, why haven't you finished them? And I'm uh, getting there. So <laughs> try being a YouTuber. <laughs> yeah, I'm a prima donna. So no. Yeah, no, I, I can relate um, very strongly to that because I, same thing, I spent some, a lot of my own money producing uh, these music videos and parodies, um, hired a really fancy swanky producer in nashville and um yeah i was like this is gonna this is gonna go viral for sure and uh you think you got the idea right i was talking to uh justine about it because i i got i convinced her to i just seemed to be in one of one of them and she said yeah these if you did this maybe six years ago it probably would have gone viral (laughs) but like uh, (laughs) interesting the, the music parodies um aren't as big on youtube as they used to be um right but also my channel is I've I've basically groomed the people who watch my content to expect camera reviews and that's it. So if if there's anything beyond that the algorithm doesn't know what to do with it. Uh it's and very like frustrating. like you said the the 30,000 people that did watch it um loved it. The the like to dislike ratio is great. The comments uh-huh. are great. Um but and I think there's something also that isn't tangible with that view count and that is almost the the colleague and peer um connections that you can build through doing something like that you know i have a lot of respect for you because of that art uh series you know it's a great series and thank you as a creator i can be inspired artistically by what you did right the numbers don't matter uh mr beast gets lots of numbers but there's no art to it necessarily other other than the math equation yeah yeah um so yeah like as an artist like you got to really think about why am I doing this? Am I doing it to create art? Am I doing it for no, you're for money? Right. Am I doing it for this or that? And um, also maybe, you know, if, if you want to do something on YouTube like this, maybe, you know, maybe there is a, another way to do it uh, strategically, whether it's another channel or I don't know, but yeah, there's, there's a couple thoughts on that. Like, first of all, when you were talking about your music parodies too, and, and I Justine, this is Justine, like I said, she's one of the most driven people I've ever met, and she's very nice and she's very accessible if you can get to her. And that's the, she's very busy, um, but she's very insightful on things like that. And and being able to understand the current trends, all that, it's part of our job. It's very important. I'm not insulting your idea, but I'm saying that you know that's actually a really interesting observation to make. And I think the same thing could be said when I did artist series. I was really frustrated, and a very good friend of mine said, "Well, you're on YouTube." And YouTube is going to be more in the moment. Like you said, Mr. Beast, that's not a lot of uh, thought and creativity go into because it's a formula that's repeated. I'm not slamming him, he, he, but he understands that, and he's, he's working yeah. within the, those constraints. And he would admit that to you. Um, the, um, he said, you're trying to put a five-star restaurant 
into a block with a bunch of, yeah. of uh, you know, fast food. You know where the artist series would have lived really well is on Vimeo eight years ago when exactly when everybody. Ex- that's what. That's exactly where I was going with this too. <laughs> exactly. I, I mean, uh, you know, and it's true. And and I had aspirations of wanting to go onto Netflix with it, and I thought, well, you know, I'll make the yeah. project. First of all, those are really hard to pitch, and second of all, I'd even argue that's not when like Chef's Table was already is already dated. Netflix yeah. three years ago might have, or actually, but you got to beat it. So yeah, exactly. yeah it's, yeah. it is what it is. And, and it's not that I would never do it again, but the other thing that you said that I think is really important for people to remember. And I'm saying this out loud because it, <laughs> it translates really important for me to remember is that, you know, I, I, I know that early on in my career, uh, I would, there are people that I looked up to and I, I really kind of tried to define who it was that I wanted to be. I didn't know how to get there or where I was going to go, but like, you know, what do I want to be when I grow up one day? And the best I could come up with back in those days is like, you know, think about what's important. And sometimes it is the numbers and sometimes it is the money we have to eat. Um, and there's nothing wrong with making a lot of money. We're allowed to do that in <laughs> capitalist society and even YouTube. And there are creators like Mr. Beast who do. And I think it's wonderful. Um, the top 1% of YouTubers, then there's yeah. this long tail, the rest of it. <laughs> yeah. um, so if the, I'm not, what I mean is like, don't, I don't think anybody should ever feel guilty saying, you know, hiding that as an aspiration. Yeah. Of course you want your eyeballs on your videos. Otherwise we would be doing it. Right. <laughs> um, but one thing you said though, is, is also a little bit of peer respect because I remember early on, I thought, I want one day, I want to be respected by my peers, even though I may not be the most successful at something, but as long as people respect what I do, and I had never really thought of that, but yeah, I mean, the Artist Series is a project that, that works like that, and those are important to do for a number of reasons, and, you know, the hardest thing, I think, on YouTube, too, you know, when you have an audience that expects a certain thing, like in, you said in your case, is camera videos, right? Yeah. Um, you know, uh the idea that you're going to do something different and I've done it and yeah, you get, it's like mayhem is broken out in the comments. People are like mad that you tried something (laughs) and, and it's really hard. I will say as a creator, not to listen to that, you know, you can't turn it off because it's like, you know, I didn't do it to make people mad. Why are they angry? And, and then you got to realize that it's a bunch of people. How nerdy is it to get upset over a camera video or something not being a camera video but another thing that i because and i say this because i've changed direction in content and i've introduced a lot of new things over the years phones were a big one the first time i did a phone people flipped out first time i did a camera i was gonna ask you about phone i'm I'm glad you transitioned into that i'm interrupting this podcast briefly to tell you guys about the brand new dji mavic air 2 cinema series filters from polar pro if you aren't aware the newest drone from dji just came out it's called the mavic air 2. It's the second generation of the more affordable, smaller, lightweight drone from DJI. The thing that makes the Mavic Air 2 stand out against the lineup of other drones from DJI is the fact that the size of the drone itself is so compact and easy to travel with, but the quality and performance of the camera built into it is still high enough to be considered a professional camera. But like all drones with built-in cameras, there's one thing that you really need to get the most cinematic shots possible, and that is a neutral density filter. Well, you're in luck because Polar Pro has just announced the brand new Cinema Series filters for the Mavic Air 2. There's two packages that you can choose from, the Vivid Collection and the V&D Filter. First, let me tell you about the Vivid Collection for the Mavic Air 2. The kit includes ND8, ND16, and ND32, all with polarization filters built into them. Those three filters strengths are really going to handle most situations that you're going to face with your drone. You want to make sure that your shutter speed is set double to what your frame rate is. 
So for example, if you're shooting at 24 frames per second, you want your shutter speed to be around 1 48th of a second. And because the drone doesn't have the ability to adjust your aperture, once you set your shutters down to 1 50th of a second, even at the lowest ISO settings, the image is gonna be completely blown out and overexposed. That's why when you're using a drone, you have to have an ND filter to keep your shutter speed at the right setting when you're shooting outdoors. Now the thing that makes the Vivid Collection from Polar Pro so great is the addition of the polarization filter attached to the ND itself. Adding a polarizer to your camera can completely change its capabilities by removing reflections, cutting glare, and increasing color saturation. Now the other filter that we're selling is the VND filter, which is very similar to the very popular Peter McKinnon VND that we sell as well. You can buy the VND in either a two to five stop VND or a combo set that comes with a two to five and a six to nine stop VND system. This is gonna be the most versatile setup that you can get. Basically with only two filters, you're able to cover between two to nine stops of ND filtering with everything in between. It's really amazing what you can do with these filters. All of these filter sets are on our website and for a limited time during this special launch, you can save $10 off all Mavic Air 2 filter sets. So if you just put a pre-order down for the Mavic Air 2 or you're considering getting the Mavic Air 2, now's the time to jump on getting your full cinema setup by buying the Mavic Air 2 filters from Polar Pro. So again, go to polarpro.com and check this out. The new filter setup for the Mavic Air 2, $10 off only now, go check it out. Now, let's go back to my conversation. What made you want to get into phone reviews and stuff? The way this industry is moving. Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm going to be I've real. been thinking this too for a couple months. I'm, I just yeah. started doing it. I just did a SE review and um, I think yep. you're right. Smart. I think you're onto something. In the next 10 years, it'll actually probably eclipse mirror, mirrorless <sighs> cameras, right? It will. And that, you know, the couple things that scare me, I mean, I, I, the cameras will be around, but I mean, this is an industry that, that we know has been on the downslope for years now. I don't think people will not be interested in photography. I mean, that's kind of timeless, right? Um, but as you know, um, there's a big difference of somebody who's interested in photography. And then there's also a lot of people who just love the gadgetry and the, the tech side of it. And they like making images and you know, that's fine. I'm not slamming either one. Um, but when you look at the camera industry and how the DSLR has been on decline, mirrorless is still, that they hadn't been the savior, right? I mean, the sales aren't where they used to be. And then what really scares me is when you have a, a pandemic like this, that, that it's not the pandemic, but it's the possibility of the economy tanking again. Uh, that could change things again. I mean, there's a lot of little variables that go into it. Um, but anyway, I started with phones because I'm like, you know, I, I have to... I have to feel like, well, okay, so a couple things. It's like, you know, I've done everything from film cameras to pinhole cameras, my earliest videos. Um, why am I excluding anything? I don't want to be all-inclusive Ted here, right? <laughs> so, uh, you know, why am I excluding phones? Well, that and, – and actually when you start thinking about it too, like the, the phone is fascinating because it puts a camera in everybody's hands, right? Mm -hmm. And then the way that's been used is it, it – you know, it's everything from people still trying to be creative with it. I've seen some very creative stuff done on a phone, both in video and still photography. Uh, it's with you. Um, then it's like, you know, like my mom uses it for more of a utilitarian purpose. Yeah. Like photographing something at the store to remember to look it up online later or, you know, something like that. And and so it's democratized photography in many ways. 
ways. Uh, and photography now has changed a lot. I mean, you have a lot of people who, you know, when they'll ask me for career advice, even they're like, how do I get into galleries or museums? And I'm like, well, you die. It's, <laughs> I mean, that's the best thing you do for your career is pass away. I mean, because that's a different world and it's not the world we live in today. I mean, it's that it, it's not the fifties anymore. It's not the eighties anymore. And, and so moving to phones, I think is really important. And I, I think it's cool that you're doing that. I mean, and all you have to do is like, I'm not going full phone, you know, it's like, just yeah, start same. by reviewing a few phones. First of all, it's expensive if you're trying to do that. Uh, because you're probably like me. I don't have all the connections with all the companies to just yeah, get phones. It's a thousand bucks um, for these flagships or more now. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's like buying a laptop or more, you know? Yeah. Um, the thing that's so interesting about mobile photography and what Apple is doing with the A series chips and uh, Samsung, yep. even with the, like the periscope camera on, on the newest phone, that's a brilliant mm-hmm. idea to put the sensor basically on, uh, I guess further down and then there's a mirror, a little mini periscope that allows for you to have a a telephoto zoom effect, but it's all within a tiny little sliver of a camera. um, Yeah. So the idea is you need a longer lens, right? Physically. And so you turn it on its side. So it sits long wise in the camera. So it fits now. Uh And then, yeah, it uses, like you were saying, the periscope mirror. It's just a 45 degree angle mirror, like a teleprompter, you know, uh, to actually funnel the light in there and or folded optics. I think it would be cool too, because like another thing that I'm noticing, particularly with Samsung, uh, the S 20 ultra, I, I can't speak for the S20, but anyway, it, it, there are a lot of phones now that are coming out with that bigger sensor on them. Mm-hmm. And so you're starting to see depth of field now in those lenses. Like there's bouquet that's going on. It's ugly, but it's there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but it's cool. But the other thing is like, because that depth of field becomes so shallow, um, maintaining sharpness across the screen. And then the fact that the, the screen, the, the image, and then the fact that the S20 Ultra is a 108 megapixel sensor, when you actually flip it into the 108 megapixel mode and zoom in and pixel peep, you see every blemish of that lens known to man. I mean, yeah. the lenses are the now the bottleneck. And so having a folded optic, not just for telephoto, but whatever you're able to physically make a longer lens just to be your normal lens or uh-huh. using more space. So what can we do with that? It, and phones, like you were saying in the last year with the A13, um, uh, chip that's gone into things with what I would say that Google's really been, uh, kicking everybody's butt into gear about doing computational imaging and then night sight and things like that. Uh, phones in the last year have come astronomically, no pun intended, a long way. Yeah. Um, it's exciting to look at that world, actually. I know. Um, well, the thing that's cool is like imagine that, like an A13 chip or uh, or Google Pixel like, uh, you know, imaging in a in a real mirrorless camera. And the problem yeah. is Google and Apple have billions and billions of dollars of research and development, and yep. Canon doesn't, <laughs> unfortunately. No, not now they don't. I mean, and uh, I would love to see 5G uh, in a real camera as well imagine the the speed uh if we can get 5g you know actually up and running um being able to yeah. upload 10 gigabytes up and down uh while you're shooting you could literally amazing. you could have an editor edit live as you're shooting it <laughs> yeah you could i mean and it's interesting there there's actually an interview somebody sent me um i can't remember his name uh he's a sony shooter uses an A9 and he works in the White House and does a lot of those press briefings and stuff. I can't oh, cool. think of his name right now. I'll think of it. But anyway, um, 
there's a video interview with him and he talks about um, just photojournalism in that world. And that is how they work. They, they have like some external device that they can just upload stuff instantly. And so it's already being edited before they're out of the room. Wow. Um, but yeah, when that technology becomes that accessible, I mean, man, that's mind blowing, right? Yeah. It's really exciting to think about. And uh, also now Apple is including LiDAR sensor on the, uh, on the new iPad, which is really just yep. a, a little bit of a beta test for the upcoming iPhone, which is rumored to have LiDAR on uh, the camera as well, on the camera bump. And the LiDAR technology, basically, it can detect 3D space uh, almost perfectly. So if you're focusing on this one subject, it knows within a 3D spectrum, okay, I need to focus my lens at this point. So That's going to be phenomenal. So in yeah. theory, with having LiDAR attached to focusing, you're going to get better autofocus than dual pixel autofocus. Oh my gosh, and the speed. Yeah, because like you're even a mirrorless camera, it's still estimating three dimensions out of a two-dimensional uh, sensor. And uh yeah, so it has ways of doing that and and Sony have just between oh, dual yeah. pixel from Canon and then Sony's technology. I mean, it's just it's mind-blowing. It really how is. good it is. And and it's the tip of the iceberg, you know. I know it's, how did we like, do it before a with a with a 5D? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? How did and I it's, do it? It's funny when you go back and use those cameras now how how archaic and slow they feel and how much moves in the lens and you Yeah. Know, <laughs> it's it's crazy and I think uh, it, it was important for me though. I, I came from a camcorder background and then when the 5D came out, I switched over to the DSLR yep. revolution and it taught me how to shoot manual. It taught me how to focus manually. It taught me yeah. how to change my shutter speed and what shutter speed even is. Um, you yeah. know, I think it's almost like if, if you are going to film school or, or school, it's like, here, here's an old 5D Mark II. Learn on this. <laughs> You know, it, seriously, it, it kind of is. I mean, when, when we started, it was like, you know, use a film camera, right? And and I would still argue that, you know, I would have that experience once in your life just because the yeah. whole tactile nature of, of, of everything being physical. Uh, but yeah, you know, the 5D, at least it was digital, I guess, at that point. And it's funny, Jordan yeah. and I were talking about how many careers did that launch? I mean, oh, that yeah. camera really no did kidding. change it for all of us, you know. Seriously. I still have mine, too. I, it's I, It's sentimental. Have you hacked when that it? Came, Did you try the Magic Lantern hack on it? Oh yeah, it back in the day. I don't. I don't think it's currently hacked because I think the last firmware update knocked it out. But uh, yeah. I mean, I could rehack it. But the, uh, you know, for me, it was like when that camera came out. I wasn't made. I mean, I was pretty broke. I, it was, but it was attainable. It wasn't astronomically expensive. Yeah. And so I saved and saved and skipped lunch and did the whole <laughs> thing. And and finally I got it. And when I got it, I was just so full frame. Yeah, full frame yeah, video. Was, oh my gosh, it was insane. It wouldn't, yeah, it was full frame video. It was native progressive video. So it just was, it looked like a moving photograph right out of the thing. You know, it was amazing. And you had depth of field. And then, of course, we all did the crazy thing because, like, you know, I guess it was uh, Vincent LaFerre was real big when he did the the first video, the yep. livery. Looked like a cologne commercial. I remember looking at that and my jaw was on the floor. I'd never seen that. Now it looks largely out of focus to me. But <laughs> back then, it was just so gorgeous. And then Philip Bloom was doing all of his stuff. And I watched everything that Philip did. Yeah, and Shane Hurlbut. And, uh, oh, yeah, all those guys. You Film know. Riot. Yeah. Film Riot. Um, yeah, that was those were the days. Kai, and, and like, you, Kai, Kai, Caleb, yeah. everybody. Uh, Planet 5D was the big, oh, yeah, Mitch, one of the yeah. big blogs. Yeah. Yeah. And Hugh used to work for them too. Hugh oh, Bernstein. really? Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that was, that was a big, <laughs> big game changer, but it, you know, but you were asking though, uh, technology wise and, and the thing that kind of concerns me now, and I don't know, I mean, it's just like when I say it concerns me, it's just on my mind. Uh, but 
you know, phones are also, that's a very crowded space. There's too many flagships that get released every year. Yeah. And so phone sales have been going down and down. And like the, I just saw an article yesterday that said Samsung with the S20 is just like bad right now. And some of that probably has to do with the fact that, of course, you know, people don't want to spend a thousand dollars on a phone right now. That's the last thing on no. people's minds. No, they need to get through this first. And so it may not be over, but, you know, there's always the next thing. And, there's, you know, I guess if there's a fear that I've got with anything, it's like I see people that kind of are they're kicking the ball down the road way too long. And like the trends have moved on. Like, you know, I hate to bring him back up again, but he was such a huge influence. Casey Neistat, when he when he got out of that, it, it, it was so genius to me how the whole thing unfolded because I think he timed it. And I don't know if he timed it down to the second, but I think he knew I would do this for 12 months or 18 months. I think he knew how unsustainable daily video was going to be, um, how that would probably take a toll on marriage and all the other stuff he's been very open about. Um, is it a smart thing to do? I don't know, but he, man, he did it, you know? Yeah. And, 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 but I've also seen other vlog, you know, you've seen him too. You run across him every now and then. Oh, here's a guy vlogging. And, and it's maybe something that's half interesting. And then you look at it and you realize they've actually been daily vlogging and there's no views and there's, and it's just like, Oh my God. I mean, you just feel for him. Your heart sinks because it's <laughs> yeah. like, I, I know how much work that is. And, and it's just like the vlogging trend is just different now. It's not, yeah. you know, so he was able to ride the wave. It's a very surfer move, I guess, in terms of media production. But, uh, you know, we all do that. And and like you know, we were saying, our, we look at our careers differently and what Caleb was saying about, you know, it's just longevity. But but I do worry about the whole uh, idea of having this photography show. And, and maybe, I don't know, maybe it's like the versatility in that and the fact that, like, okay, when, when cameras aren't selling, I'm still talking about photography. I don't know if yeah. it's sustainable for a career at that point, but, you know. Phones are a big part of that. Um, I just don't know. You know, it's it's like when you see. Uh, I'm dating myself here, but the '80s metal bands that are still touring, and it's like, man, I haven't <laughs> haven't played the stadium in in three decades, and it's like, why? Yeah, are Def Leppard still... still out there crushing it. <laughs> oh yeah, and it's like you see them torturing themselves, and it's just like, I don't know. So I just I, I have a well, fear yeah, I, uh, in the back when, of my mind. Uh, when when um. Oh, uh, when Van Halen announced that David Lee Roth was coming back, I was like, oh, yeah, right. what? No way. That's awesome. And I checked it. Oh I was like, oh, okay. It's not good. <laughs> it's I not know. the same. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> so at what point when you were doing your YouTube channel, you, you mentioned quitting your job and all that. Like, mm-hmm. was was that a, uh, a struggle for you and your marriage? Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. So like, how did that conversation go? Was it... It was, was great. Was um, it a comfortable transition? Were you already making money on the channel, so it wasn't that big of a yes. stretch? So, okay. so what happened was uh, my wife I actually met at the museum, so we both worked together at the time, um, which actually I would even argue was probably – well, it was a strain on our marriage too because it's like we went under um, – uh, a, a major management change at the top new director and then a new bunch of people right under. And it was, I mean, it was, it was awful. It was a nightmare. It was, I mean, the guy was a nice guy, but the, the way people handled that. Um, and I think that the upper management played into it a little bit. They liked the fact that people didn't know or a little on edge and a little afraid. And I thought it was BS. And uh, I, it was made clear that they, I was not going to get a promotion or an expansion or help or anything. And I, it was a dead career at that point. I'd done it for seven years, which I felt was a long time. Um, it was a nonprofit, a big museum, 250 employees. So um, massive space downtown, the biggest museum in Dallas. 
And I, I think I, I enjoyed it and I liked a lot of the people there, but I think I'd gotten out of it professionally what I was going to get out of it. And I was interested in doing something new. And, you know, my wife was great about it because she said uh, she she was very encouraging. She she wanted me to do that. She said, you know, now's the time for you to make the jump and maybe I'll make a jump another time. And then, you know, the rock will shift. And, and of course, it did much later. But um so the way I did is I was just terrified because I had freelanced before and I didn't want to be broke again. And I knew how just it's feast or famine. Anything can happen. It's hard, you know, for, for you work for yourself. And so I, it took, I, 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 this is me too. I, I think that looking back, I should have just like manned up a little and over the years in various situations and it just lived by the seat of my pants, just a little more. I get really worried about things. And so I saved $40,000 into the bank. It took me a year to have that much extra money. That's amazing. I made sure, yeah, I made sure I had my computer owned. I owned my camera gear. Um, so it wasn't hard. It wasn't easy, but it took a full year. And even then it was like, oh, one more project. I want to do this one more thing. I want to do this one thing we're doing in New York. I want to interview this one more artist. And, and finally my wife's like, she got to the point where she'd come home and she's like, she would work really long hours and she'd come home. I'd already be home already working on videos, have something done. I don't know how I did it back then. And she'd come <laughs> home and she's like, so how was your, I said, Hey, what's going on? She's like, Oh, not much. How was your day? And I said, well, guess what? And I'm ready to tell her something. You quit your job. I'm like, I haven't given the notice yet, but I was telling you this other thing. <laughs> so that went on for a long time. And then finally I was just like, I decided to pull the plug and I did it. And, uh, yeah, it was weird, man. I didn't know what to do with myself at first. It was just like, it's, it's invigorating, liberating, but then there's all this pressure. And I think the first thing that happened was I like left the job and two weeks later, my wife and I went on a trip with her parents that had been planned a long time before. And I remember going thinking, no, I'm supposed to be working. And, you know, it's just like this weird pressure that you put on yourself. But, you know, I wished I'd done it a lot sooner. Um, You know, it's weird when you go out on your own to do something you know, money is a huge concern. You've got to figure out how to have that covered and there are ways to do it. And, and I would even, and it's funny because I just didn't know at the time, but now that I looking back and I'm much wiser in my older age, I mean, you can monetize a channel with a lot less viewers. Uh, You just can. Mm -hmm. Um, It's different how you do it. Um, But anyway, so yeah, it was kind of scary to make that jump. And, and that was the other thing. It was just like, you know, I'd been doing this one thing for a long time. It was a big change. And uh, it was kind of nice, though. I remember um, at first week I left. I think my last day was like, let's say a Tuesday. And I moved all my stuff home the next day on Wednesday. Thursday, I'm like cleaning up the mess and getting sorted up. So Friday, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm good, finally. I'm <laughs> like, well, it's Friday. Nobody's going to watch a video on a Friday. Everybody's getting home from work. I'm still in work mode, right, from yeah. the, the, the J-O-B. And so... Uh, I thought, you know what? Screw it. I'm, I'm just excited. So I, I turned on the camera and I made this video that was super short, but it was like, you know, basically thanking everybody for their support because I left my job this week. I'm now independent. And so big things are coming. And I don't like doing those types of videos because they never be. And the, it was so cool. Petapixel picked it up at like after an wow. hour. And I'm getting like all these views and people are like congratulating me. I got lots of comments and it was wild to see that, that kind of get shared and spike. It was DLK who did it, you know, and DL's such a cool guy. And, yeah. and, uh, anyway, and I've thanked him for it since, but it, it was, it was funny. I, I got this, my first spike off that and it was, it That's was really awesome. sweet. It, it was, yeah, it wasn't, uh, I, and it's funny cause like there's so many videos you could probably say the same thing that, that like you almost didn't do. Um, yeah. but for whatever reason, at the last minute, you just decided to go ahead and say, screw it. I'm doing it. And, and yeah. it's one of your most viewed videos. Now. And, <laughs> and, uh, what, yeah, it's um, weird. while we're on the topic of money, if you don't mind me asking, yeah. what do you, what are your streams of revenue right now? 
uh, all over the place. <laughs> and, and that's how it has to be when you freelance. It's, I remember, um, and this is just a little bit of preamble. This is why when I freelanced before, and when I say freelance before, this was pre-museum, I was doing anything, wedding photography, uh, I'd build websites for people, I, you know, whatever creative work I could string together. And one of the mistakes that I made back then that later, actually the guy who does my taxes now told me, um, because I'd never closed my business. He said, well, keep it open. Are you making any money? And I would take a little freelance gig here or there. So I would still have to report taxes under the business and stuff while I was there. So I still had, and that was important for me because the tax guy that I, I still have now uh, gave me good advice on stuff. But he said, you know, um, there's so many people that freelance that that start looking for that home run, right? Uh, you're swinging for the fence because if I can just get this one thing to go through. And I think people make the mistake, especially on YouTube, of looking at AdSense that way. Like this page, they know it pays crap, right? But if I could just like do that one breakout video like Peter McKinnon had, then <laughs> man, AdSense. And I'm sure Peter probably does do okay on AdSense, you know. But you're swinging for the fence, right, on that one thing. Yeah. And so if you have more varied sources, and he was explaining it to me like this, then, you know, something can dry up or go belly up on you and you're not dead in the water because you still have the other sources so it's like okay so I remember early on and this was around the time I started doing it full time it's like okay this is how I'm going to be smart about this so I got a spreadsheet and I listed all my possibilities and so it would be everything from okay we have sponsor placements or ad reads that I would do and for those who don't know what that is that's like when you have a Squarespace placement or you have this video is brought to you and sponsored by so and so and I'm reading it and I'm telling you about it it's not a pre-roll that, that YouTube did uh, so those pay um, I, so, so I had a little line item there because I want to know am I making money or am I not do I need to like reach out to people you know and so that was one of them another one early on was affiliate sales and for me that was one that I eventually just took off the thing and gave up on Caleb has made that work and he's the master of it um and I know a little bit about his method on that I think because I accidentally did it once I did this video on just building this rig out of parts and stuff for like a vlog rig and like it was, they were under $10 parts and I like raked affiliate sales that one month. And it's like, so again, swinging for the fence, if you're trying to sell cameras, you're not going to do it. But, but it, I do know like, you know, Steve Huff and Ken Rockwell and some of the guys who are the big bloggers uh, who had websites back in the day, they've always done very well off affiliate sales. And I've just never gotten that kind of traction off of YouTube videos. But so that there's an example of, of one of those that, that a revenue stream that, that you know just didn't work out um selling your own product is i think very important too i've, I've only recently started doing that um a year ago i did my first preset pack and i just launched my second one uh so that's something i can talk about um those i like because you're putting your money where your mouth is a little bit so if you think okay i i I should be having sponsorships and people that pay to have me do their ad reads. Well, why don't you have your own product and sell it and see what happens? And so that, that can be a really good gauge of things. Yeah. Um, so that's a big one. Um, so yeah, those are the big ones. AdSense, it's on there, I guess, but it's like, it's so unpredictable what it's going to do. Yeah. I know. always see that as like a little bonus. It's like, okay, cool. That's a, right. yeah, there's some fun money. I'll, you know, <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. it's really, uh, not a part of our budget it's just kind of a thing it's my wife and i see it as an extra um it's like a little a little thing that i'll put in the business account for purchases or maybe we'll go out to dinner <laughs> you know yeah, yeah exactly and and sometimes you have a surprise month and it's nice you know? yeah exactly so yeah so but that's what it is and it's anything you can be creative enough to think about and i've seen people do some very creative things with you know uh you know jared poland and i know he's a very strong personality um uh <laughs> took me a long time to warm up to him but but he's he's 
like Justine, another one of the most driven people you'll ever meet in your life. And when you look at how he runs his business and he's very successful with it, um, a lot of it is video courses. It's, you know, and, and that's a hard one too, I think for YouTubers, especially speaking for me at least, is that, okay, I could do a video course. All right. What does that look like? Well, um, you're so in the mode of giving all your content away for free and pouring all of your creativity into that. So, but you know, the way Jared does is okay. Well think of something that's different that you could do that you wouldn't even feature in your show. Because the reality is, is like, you know, when you're selling something, a course, let's say uh, to get people to buy it, you're not looking to get everyone to buy it. That's impossible, right? So come up with something that's going to be of interest to certain people and you can end up doing very well and making money doing that. And I think this would, this, this, these models work for channels that are even like smaller starting out, having your own product, things like that. Yeah, totally. Um, they're really important to do because that's the other thing. Uh, you know, you probably get this too. There's a huge audience on YouTube that's just convinced that we are paid off by Sony and Nikon or <laughs> Shills, and and yeah. we might. The reality is, is those companies they don't give us anything. I mean, they might fly us out to something, and they might sure they pay your way on those, and they make it worth. I mean, better than putting you up at motel six and thumbing the nose at you while you're out there. <laughs> but you know, cause they know we're, 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 we're doing PR for them. They don't tell us what to say. Um, but they don't understand people. They, there's a perceived way of how they think we're all bought off and that we're all millionaires. And that's not the truth, it, you no. know, far from, um, no, not at all. And maybe, maybe some of that comes from people who are, uh, what do they call Panasonic ambassadors and there's, there's Nikon ambassadors and yeah. those types of people are, uh, you know, but they're, they, those types of people on YouTube, if they are there, the Fuji guys, for example, they're very mm-hmm. clearly like, hey, we just so you know, you know, we work for this yeah. company um, because the law requires that. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> photo, yeah. Photo Joseph doesn't shy away from the fact that he's a Panasonic ambassador, you know. Sure. Um, sure. And he's like, I'm not going to talk about uh, Sony because. I don't care, you know, <laughs> so yeah, and, I'm and, not I, getting... I, and I, I don't know for certain, but yeah, when somebody's an ambassador, that's why that wouldn't work out for me ever, because I, I, I would, I would assume that you are pretty much expected not to talk about other stuff. Yeah. But, so it needs to be a product that, well, that would void the whole relationship of even being an ambassador. And, and you and I both know Joseph, he's, he's a wonderful guy. I, yeah. Yeah. I totally stand up dude. Um, and he loves Panasonic. I mean, I've gotten him talking about old cameras before and stuff. And like, he's mentioned all these models. Oh, did you I still have it on my wall? And this, <laughs> it's, like, it's like, oh my God, he's intense. But that's what you want an ambassador to be. Like they're, yeah. they're out there uh, campaigning for your product. So if you're Panasonic, that's that's what you would want to get. Yeah. I, I think pe- what people do though is I think it's it's the the what they don't realize is how many thousands of creators, if not higher, there are on YouTube as a platform. And I'm talking about everybody in every niche. And then you do see people that go to the very top, the Pootie Pies, right? Yeah, yeah, you know rare that is to, to. I mean, even Casey or or and Peter hit, hit a home run with that, and I think that's probably the most relatable to us as a photography channel. Um, and and all are very deserving of their success. I've never met any one of those people who didn't work excruciatingly hard. I mean, it's just impressive. They're almost Peter can be a machine sometimes. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, and I have enormous amount of respect. So, but what I'm saying is, is I think that people start to look at some large creators, and there have. I haven't seen one in a while, but there have been points where you hit drama with some of the big creators. There were with <laughs> vloggers at one point, and yeah. and they start looking like spoiled children who just make a lot of money, like bad actors in Hollywood, and and that is not how YouTube works at all. It's um, yeah, 
In fact, it's also, have you ever noticed, uh, it's kind of funny that, that YouTube, like the revenue split when when you do, we're talking about AdSense, when you do revenue is 55-45, right? Is that what it still is? I don't I'm even know. I'm not sure. I, never check in. I don't know. But it's 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 five percent more to you, right? Uh huh. So you own your stuff. <laughs> so if you ever do anything stupid, they can wash their hands and oh, legally they can I say see. they had a majority stake. I'm sure that's why. You know. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, I just feel like YouTube doesn't trust us sometimes. I don't know. It's like we're always having <laughs> to pay for don't. somebody else's mistake. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's a business. <laughs> yeah, and and but the thing is, is you and I aren't doing the Tide Pod challenge. Um, no, no, we're not. We're not Logan Paul stupid. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's what's great. It's... That's what's great about this this niche is uh, every single creator that I've met uh, that you would consider, you know, in this field, uh, yeah. they're all amazing, amazing people, very friendly. Uh, every single person has been a joy to interview on this show. And uh, good, I'm glad to hear that. You yeah. know. That's uh, you know that's one thing that I noticed too. It's just like when I started, um, I went for years where back then uh, camera companies were not talking to YouTubers at all ever. I mean, it just wasn't you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we were they, they were still doing print media and stuff like that in the early days, and and uh, so there was never a reason for you know most YouTubers well live in different cities. There was never a reason for any of us to ever meet one another, and I never met anybody until I think it was around 2015. I think Jared might have been one of the first people I met at a Canon thing. Tony and Chelsea were there, and so anyway, so and then when I started doing Sony stuff, when I met Jordan, Chris, and and there's some just marvelous people that that are in this, and I think it's so cool that that everybody, I think we all understand it because like you know, you'll know what I'm talking about, Dave. How many people in your neighborhood host a podcast on a YouTube channel? <laughs> Nobody. You know, when, when you've had kind of a challenging day, because it happens to all of us sometimes, maybe the machines aren't working right and whatever yeah and uh you know it's not like i can call my buddies and go out for a beer and and they'll understand the youtube woes it's just yeah. not gonna <laughs> you know? yeah exactly most of them it's like when i my wife works at a school and it's like one thing i dread are the cocktail parties around christmas because like i don't want to hear some so what do you do for a living yeah it's hard uh, to because <laughs> you want to i mean the the needy artist inside of me wants everybody to know look at how cool i am i'm a youtuber but then also sure, sure. it's it's also like yeah I, I make videos on the internet and then and then it becomes the topic of the conversation because people are fascinated by it i mean it is interesting yeah. but also like like jordan drake says i photograph cameras for a living yeah. <laughs> i need to start saying that that's actually really funny <laughs> kind no, of an oxymoron amazing. yeah um yeah, so it is fun to have a little network of people. And I think people do like what, what you're doing with these shows is really cool too. You know, yeah. I can't wait to, I'm going to go listen to some of the other stuff. This is uh, yeah, man. The last month has been insane. We've had some incredible guests on. Uh, I think it's just because cool. coronavirus, everybody's home doing nothing. Uh, I told you I have nothing to do. So this is perfect. So. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for being on. Um, no, it's great. Yeah. So, I mean, we're coming up to almost uh, two hours here, so... <laughs> I, I looked, I glanced over a minute yeah. ago. I hope this hadn't gone too long. No, I, it's perfect. I, I have a I edit, I horrible habit down, of going so. on forever. Um, cool. So to kind of close to close the uh, the interview out, um, there's people who, who might be followers of yours or, or even people who are just now discovering you that are inspired by your story that, uh, that want to do what you're doing, that want to be a creator on the internet. What, what do you have to say for them? I'm, I know you've learned a lot in your journey. Um, run. And, and, and tw- 20, <laughs> run 20, 20. <laughs> yeah, as fast as you can um, in a nutshell. Uh, no, no, make it as long as no, you want. It no, no, I'm, that's, I'm, the, I'm teasing. I'm some teasing. good meat. I want, I want the meat. Give me the meat. Well, you know, it, it's like, I, I'm, I'm fortunate. Um, 
in that I have never been really discouraged by people. In fact, I've usually been encouraged. And I know that, you know, different people, people are different. Like, you know, I have friends that I've talked to and they think I'm a lunatic for trying to work for myself. Like they, their world consists of, I, you know, they, they're good at their jobs. I'm not calling them suits or shills, but, but their world is comfortable as long as they're with something that's already established. And, you know, they're probably smart um, in some ways because, yeah, it is kind of crazy doing what I do. In fact, my dad is an illustrator. He worked for all these magazines in New York in the 70s and 80s when I was a kid and went to the Olympics and all this stuff. And he paints for a living. It's an unusual thing. And people were like, you know, you're so lucky that your parents are, are creative and artistic. And I said, well, at the same time, they also know how difficult it is. And so they they actually tried encouraging but also careful you know um and so i don't i would never you know discourage somebody from doing it but but i think if you understand that everything is a long road ultimately um and and like i i have such a love hate and i'm back and forth like with gary vaynerchuk because i think he gets so crazy and a lot of it is so repetitive but one of the things that i do love that that he stresses a lot is patience and patience is something that i think a lot of people lose sight of and i can tell you from experience of 12 years man I, and i know i know peter mckinnon he's he's a wonderful person i i think that it couldn't the overnight success that he had in the cinderella story that that is couldn't have happened to a nicer person it's not real i didn't have that most people didn't and it's unusual to have that. And I'm not saying it's bad, but don't ever have your expectations set because your hero did it this way. Um, I'm proud to have taken 12 years to do it, um, and it's not over for me. I, I feel like there's so much more, um, you know, uh, I'm not retiring tomorrow financially. It's, you know, but I'm happy with it, and I, I enjoy the things that I've done. And, uh yeah, I think that's what it comes down to. And it, like, you know, if somebody wants to do it, I think the two pieces of advice I would give is one, be patient and two, be open to the idea of, of flexibility. Because like, I think I, I was doing an interview with Chris Hirschman the other day, who's an icon ambassador. And, and that's what I love about his career. And I kind of noticed that it's kind of been my career too, is that I'm this end result of a lot of weird things that kind of like some of them were planned, some of them were unplanned. And I kind of rolled with it, recognizing opportunities. And then you end up becoming a culmination of that and who you are today. And that's what I think is realistic for people to look for. So, and if you can hit the home run, great. <laughs> just like I didn't <laughs> most people don't but uh, slow and steady wins the race it's the yeah, old classic the old race. classic tale uh and it's still true today yeah and uh, I'll add one thing to that and, and I think this comes into this conversation here and a lot of what we've talked about is make friends along the way that's really important too because uh, again sometimes it's hard to commiserate with people who don't understand what it is that you do so find people that do and sure they're work colleagues in a way but that's cool too. It's important, yeah. you know. So. Well, yeah. I mean, this is the first time we met. Do you want to be friends? Yeah, we'll be. Fr I'll be your friend, Dave. This, be <laughs> no, this is great. I mean, it's like, but see, here's the funny thing: is I've seen your videos before, and so I sit down, and we've never this. We've we've literally like a couple brief tweets this week. That was it. Yeah. And we've had this what two hour conversation, <laughs> but that's what it is. It's like because we feel like we know each other's work, and so yeah. it's a real natural thing to sit down, and that happens a lot. And I think it's cool, you know. Well, that's flattering. So, Thank you. Yeah, Dave, I enjoyed this. Thank you for having me on. This was a lot Same. of fun. Thank you so much yeah. for being on, and uh, everybody, go follow Ted on the art of photography. Um, you're on everywhere: Twitter, Instagram, yeah. YouTube, all all the stuff, all right? the places. Yeah, um, the uh, the stuffs. So yeah, go subscribe to the art of photography and uh thanks again ted for being on the show dave thank you appreciate it we'll do it again sometime heck yeah all right thanks man 
I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Ted Forbes from the Art of Photography YouTube channel. Again, I want to encourage you guys to go subscribe to his YouTube channel if you haven't already. Chances are you already do or you've at least seen some of his work in the past. So go check out his YouTube channel. It's got some amazing content on there. Also, I want to encourage you guys if you're new to the show to go back into our back catalog and look at other shows, see if anything stands out to you and give it a listen. It really means the world to us for you guys to stick around, to subscribe and be a part of the Golden Hour podcast. We post new episodes every single Tuesday. It's a joy for me to host this show brought to you by Polar Pro. Once again, I'm Dave Mays. This is the Golden Hour Podcast, and we'll see you next week.